Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online. Just a massive thank you before we start to however you are listening to this podcast. Just a quick reminder, we do this podcast more than once a week. But we don't always know which day it's going to be on, so the only way you can keep your finger on a pulse and listen to this podcast first is to get notifications to do that. You have to subscribe. Why not drop us a cheeky review while you're there? Right, enough of that. Let's talk rugby. I'm Ben James, and it's a slightly different podcast today. Again, I'm not joined by Simon Thomas, Andy Howell, or Matt Southcombe. Following on from the Warren Gatland podumentary, we've looked to do something a little bit similar. Uh, obviously, Gatland's gone as Wales coach, but now we've got Wayne Pivak in charge. He takes charge of Wales for the first time this weekend against the Barbarians. While we haven't gone to the same length in terms of a podumentary on Wayne Pivak, we have spoken to the people who know him best to get a little bit of an idea on what he is as a man. So without further ado, we'll stop hearing from me and we'll start hearing from the people who know him best. We've got Hadley Parks, the Scarlet and Wales Centre, talking a little bit later on that. But before all that, where better to go than his two sons, Bradley and Matt. Okay, so now joined on the podcast by Wayne's two sons, uh, Bradley and Matt. How are you doing, guys, over in New Zealand? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good. Thanks. Good to be on. Absolutely, no worries. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Um, it must be an exciting week for you. Obviously, it's Wayne's first match in charge of Wales. Uh, what's it like back home? Yeah, I mean, we're very excited uh, to see sort of him at this sort of next level. And uh, we just spoke to him yesterday. He's really excited to be with the boys. And it's obviously a very different sort of situation being with them 24-7. So I think he's really enjoying it and sort of seeing the changes and seeing what he can sort of uh, sort of develop with the boys. Yeah, and, and uh, obviously everyone over here has got a million and one questions for us as to how he's going and, and, uh, and what things are like. So it's always just adding to the excitement factor. So yeah, how often do you get sort of asked questions? Because obviously rugby over in New Zealand is, is like rugby over in Wales here. It's, you know, it, it it just seeps into our day-to-day life. So it must be never-ending, the questions. <laughs> yeah, certainly is. Um, I think we've been pretty fortunate growing up around it that we're used to it. But um, yeah, it sort of amplifies when you get to uh, test level and things like that. So yeah, we get asked quite a lot. I think uh, a lot of Brad's uh, day in my day is probably fielding questions about rugby for sure. It certainly is. Uh, just yesterday um, with my job, I was, had a meeting and someone mentioned, uh, they said, oh, are you related to Wayne Pivak by any chance? And it's that moment that you think, you know, do you say yes or do you say no? Because you never know if it's going to be a good or bad response if it's someone who's played <laughs> rugby with back in the day. Or, But yeah, no, certainly get a, get a few questions. But of course, uh, before your dad was a rugby coach, he was a police officer. So I suppose that question can have um, even worse consequences, couldn't it? If, if someone says... Uh, are you Wayne P- related to Wayne Pivak? Um, what, what was it like, um, obviously growing up with your dad being a police officer, now being a rugby coach? That's- yeah, yeah, for sure. I think um, it probably um, has all added up to some of the experiences and the likes. Um, probably made him, you know, shaped who he is. But he's definitely strong on, um, you know, values and and also um, you know time management and the likes. So probably helped uh, teach Brad and I a thing or two, probably maybe uh, Brad a little more so than me at the time <laughs> management. But um, yeah, I think it's probably definitely, as I say, shaped who he is and, and then transferred into the rugby side of things, maybe some of those elements around dealing with people and, and all walks and, and shapes of life probably helped him there as well and, and dealing with people management and the likes. So 
Yeah, it's been interesting for sure, and, and I think um, definitely some good backing and grounding for him. Oddly enough, quite a lot of the top coaches, you know, Hanson and the likes as well, are, are former police officers, so there might be something to that. Uh, we'll get on to Steve Hanson a bit, because Steve, Steve Hanson, wasn't he assistant coach when your dad was coaching the New Zealand Police Force? Am I right in thinking that? Yeah, yep. Obviously, New Zealand's a, a small place, so, uh, you know, especially with the rugby community, everyone knows everyone typically, and, and yeah, he did spend a bit of time, by the sounds, with the um, NZ Police Force. They, I think, from memory, they play against like the Navy and then the Air Force and the military as well, so... Uh, yeah, I think they spent a good bit of time there and, and no doubt um, yeah, have shared one or two experiences along the way. Are you old enough to remember your dad being a police officer or is that sort of Well, afterwards? for me, so dad's been a professional coach my entire life. So I think it was, yeah, Matt, Matt's a little bit older than me. So he got a couple of years getting to be driven around in the police car. But um, yeah, for me, no, my, my memories are all of uh, rugby, to be honest. Yeah, I think probably the same, probably just a little bit too young to, to remember certain things. Obviously, you see uh, a lot of the memorabilia is still got and, and some of the photos and the likes, but yeah, probably just a little bit too young uh, on the police side um, to recall too, too much. Because obviously, he's brought a lot of those sort of um, skills from the police force, you know, time management, respect. But I, I remember him doing an interview with uh, a journalist, I can't remember who it was, and, and he obviously had some very harrowing experiences in the police. Um, obviously, his sons, did you ever sort of, have you ever had much inkling of, of, of perhaps some of those aspects of, of his work in the police and maybe how that's given him a slightly different perspective heading into, into a career in rugby? I mean, yeah, growing up, you know, when we, well, me in particular, if I was, you know, complaining about something or finding something tough, he'd always sort of sit us down and, and give us, you know, his two cents and, and give us an experience from his time in the police that would sort of make you sort of value sort of what we've got and, and sort of, you know, not be too sort of worrying about whatever's going on in our lives. Um, he's definitely experienced some things in the police that I don't want to experience. So, um, but yeah, he's definitely added those values into sort of us growing up um then obviously let's let's get on to uh him as a coach um another wales coach played a big part you talked about steve hansen there graham henry um it was him taking the wales job i think in 99 that got him the auckland job am i right in thinking that yeah yeah that's correct um so yeah dad joined auckland as um graham's uh, assistant coach and then it wasn't long before um, Ted came over and joined Wales and Dad was given the call up for Auckland um, so yeah that was that was a bit of an exciting time and actually it was um, Ted that I think Dad first spoke to um, when he was uh, considering the moving over to the Scarlets and you know he gave him a few pointers about the Welsh people and their passion and you know he definitely took that on board um, I certainly um, remember sort of Dad's first week in, in Wales he was telling us you know he went straight down to what I think was the old red room in Clenethley and grabbed a pint, sat down with the locals and to this day actually a couple of the people that he met um, that evening are some of his closest friends over there so yeah Ted definitely gave him some advice and he definitely took that on board. I was going to say having followed Wayne at the Scarlets for five years one of the biggest compliments you can pay him is how much he's brought into life in West Wales and, and understood what it means uh, the Scarlets mean to the people at an athlete um what were your first impressions uh, or, or reactions when, when you found out your dad was thinking of moving to Wales? 
Um, well, I remember he, you know, I was 18 at the time. He sat and had an eye down and he asked us, you know, what our thoughts would be on him meeting with the chairman of the Scarlets at the time um, for a coaching role with them. You know, being 18, I was very excited about the opportunity, but at the same time, running through my head was, you know, where am I going to live? How often am I going to be able to see my dad? But, you know, did some extensive research, watched the show The Valleys a couple times and, you know, got, exci- got excited about sort of what opportunities could be for us. And, and yeah, we're, it was still sort of a heartwarming experience, you know, getting to see him move to the other side of the world. And, yeah, no, it was a really special time. Were you a bit disappointed then when you did come to Wales and you found that Clenethley was just a little bit further west than the Valleys? <laughs> I mean, you know, Clenethley, the first couple of weeks I was saying it wrong, which people were, you know, looking at me a bit strange, but I, I got used to it. But no, I, I really enjoyed Clenethley and, um, did, you know, Dad, you know, as soon as I moved over there each weekend, he was, uh, you know, taking us on adventures. Tenby was definitely one of his favourite places. But, you know, he's pretty much a tour guide these days for anyone that comes over. Wayne's World, Wayne's Tours. But, uh, yeah, no, loved it. Fantastic. Um, and then what was, what was your reaction when the Wales job came up? Obviously, you knew, we knew that Warren Gatland was coming to the end of his time. How, how did you react yeah. to him getting the big job? Yeah, I think um, obviously it was quite a, a long process and um, you kind of always sort of sitting on your hands a bit, sitting, waiting, wondering what's going to happen. And then when it was announced, I think for me, probably the first thing that went through my head was obviously I was extremely proud, but, but it was also a very satisfying feeling, um, kind of describe it to people, um, you know, from the outside looking in, it's the old iceberg effect. You just see sort of the last few seasons of success and the likes above the surface, but what you don't see is the 10, 20, you know, more than that even for him before we were alive, um, years worth of grafting away, coming through club scenes up to provincial and moving the way through. There's obviously a lot of sacrifice that goes into, into the pitch and moving around and, and what comes with that, you know, different experiences over in Fiji and the likes as well. So very satisfying. It felt like all of that was, was worth it for him and, and uh, that it all paid off. That's a good point because you know you more than anyone will will see the amount of graft that um, that that Wayne puts in, um, and and rugby itself can be quite a frustrating environment, can it? Um, Welsh rugby can definitely be a frustrating environment. Uh, I, I know that, as most people here know that. Uh, how, how does Wayne deal with with sort of the frustrations of rugby um, when, when he comes back to his family? Yeah, well, I think, you know, going back to the police days, that's probably really helped him with that. Um, living with Dad and, and, and going through the ups and downs of his career, um, he's certainly got a routine that he sticks to and you sort of just know your place and you know the night yeah. before, you know, not to sort of, you know, go near him too much or, you know, win or lose, 6 a.m. the next day he's up doing his video coding and all that. Um, but, yeah, he, he definitely doesn't let it um, impact us. Um, he certainly tries to, you know... Um, show us you know that you've got to take the good and the bad um so you know that goes back to what you were saying earlier about dad being sort of in the community it, it never really mattered if we win or, lo- win or lost it was always you know down to morrison's on the sunday it may take a bit of a longer time to do the shop with a few passionate and vocal supporters voicing their opinion but you know he never never shied away from it um certainly uh, taught us that it's something that you know you've got to take on board in life 
yeah, and and obviously when he's back, um, he tries to spend as much time with with friends and families. Definitely, a very people oriented person. Whether that's as Brad said, you know, chatting to people in the community, but definitely immersing himself back in amongst friends and family when he's back in NZ, and loves catching up for a barbecue or heading up to the beach or or even having a bit of game of golf. You know, having a good laugh. It's always funny watching him. Uh, battle past the ladies tea sometimes which is always a, a good one but um yeah he, he definitely just tries to take his mind off things um it would be hard because naturally everything gravitates back to rugby everyone's got a lot of questions but he does his best to um you know stay in touch with everyone and and spend time outside of rugby as well to take his mind off things i think i suppose the follow-up question and it's quite quite a wide open broad question is what's he like as a dad <laughs> well, yeah, he's he's more of a best friend than a dad for me. We've got very similar personalities, which can uh, definitely lead to a few arguments here and there. But um, you know, um, get on really, really well. And and yeah, he's he's definitely very, very supportive in everything we do. You know, he may not understand or agree with something that we have an opinion on straight away, but he's the sort of person that goes away and tries to learn and educate himself to sort of come to the point where he can understand where we're coming from. So he's, yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely, I consider him more of a best friend than a dad. Yeah, and, and I think for me on that as well, he's also definitely very encouraging and, and motivating. He's got his own sort of special, quirky, funny ways of doing things. Well, he thinks um, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's funny. But um, in essence, you know, things like um, he'll have a laugh and a joke with you, but he's actually getting a serious message and a point across. Um, probably a funny story for you is when we're growing up, sort of from the age of four or five, started to play rugby and... I remember every Saturday we'd be in the car on the way to a game and he'd spout one of his favourite quotes. Um, I'm sure he'll tell you he made it up, but something like, pain is his only weakness, leaving the body. Um, and obviously he's having a good old laugh, winding us up as only young kids, but he's also at the same time getting you mentally prepared for the game. And, and as a kid, the inevitable that might happen on the rugby field, that at some stage you might get hurt or something, and then how are you going to deal with it? So that when the time came, um, you're sort of anticipating it, which was, uh, yeah, again, his way of getting something across to you in a, in a jovial way. I'm Sam Warburton, and you're listening to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Okay, so now joined on the podcast by Wales centre Hadley Parks. Um, first of all, Hadley, it's the first time we've seen you uh, since the World Cup um, when you were wearing quite a lot of strapping. Uh, <laughs> how are you feeling at the minute? Yeah, feeling good. Look, it's been nice um, this last three weeks. I uh, had a bit of time off, a bit of downtime. Um, actually, uh, my wife and I welcomed our first baby. Um, so I arrived back into Wales on Monday afternoon um, and the baby arrived two weeks early on Wednesday evening. So um, it was a uh, Certainly straight back into it. It was probably a little bit more difficult than the World Cup. Um, but uh, now it, it's awesome. We're both um, stoked with how it's all going. And, and it is nice to be back home. And, and it's nice that I've had this two weeks off to be, you know, have that family time um, and to be able to relax and, and help my wife out. Combining jet lag and sleep <laughs> You can't really... Uh, like, so I, I got sleep on the Monday night and then the Tuesday and Wednesday I had no sleep till about uh, 1 o'clock on Wednesday morning. So... Um, uh, 
uh, you can't really complain. You don't really have a leg to stand on to, to say anything to your wife or how are you feeling because I'm bloody tired here. But um, uh, it's, but it's um, it's pretty brutal what they go through. It's, uh, it certainly brings a tear to the eye because you can't really do too much and, and you've got a huge amount. You now have, well, always have had, but um, you know, uh, now just such a huge respect for what women go through with, um, with their childhood. I suppose, speaking of fatherhood, um, weird, weird segue there, but we're talking about uh, this podcast talking about Wayne Pivak, yeah. spoken to his two sons, um, and I suppose the place to start is that they, uh, when you first, they told me that when you first joined the Scarlets, you were, you were sort of, the nickname you were given was father and son with Wayne, yeah. I suppose you, you know him well. Yeah, know him very well, yeah, um, son of really, a lot of the boys are calling me, look, um, known Wayne for a long time, he, um, he when I first moved from uh, Manawatu to Auckland, uh, he was my sevens coach, um, so I met him through that, and then the next year he then became the ITM Cup coach. Uh, where I had him for about three years before he came over here and, and, and started up uh, with the Scarlets. Um, and then uh, probably not too long into his um, tenure over here, he got in touch and said, you know, would I be interested in, in an opportunity over here and, and go to you know, West Wales? And, and I was all for it. And so I'm, I'm very grateful and thankful for the opportunity that, he, that he's given me. And, and we get on well, you know. He's, um, he's been a huge influence on my career. And, you know, it's great to see that uh, over the five years that he had at the Scarlets, we, we got some great success under under his tutelage and um, and with the other coaches that are now involved up here with Byron and, and Stephen Jones uh, and it's great to see that they you know had that great pathway through to then become the international coaches and it's um you know it's exciting times for them and exciting times for the players as well. So what's he like as a man then away from coaching? Because we've heard a bit about what his son says. Like obviously he's got a background in the police, which I suppose yeah. uh, I don't think I can't imagine he's ever sort of pulled too many police tricks on you. But I, I, I can't imagine you'd fall foul in discipline-wise. Um, oh, he's got some very good stories. Um, him and a couple of mates from the police force back in the day. You know, he always refers to oh, me and my mate. We know who the mate is, but we uh, we won't use names. But um, look, he, he he's a good bloke, just a genuine, genuine um, nice bloke. Um, enjoys a red wine. Um, uh, is you know likes to celebrate successes. So he's all for the boys. You know, you have a good win. You know, celebrate that. But Obviously, if you have a loss, then there's a lot of hard work. You know, there's a lot of work to be put on, and and you, you, you know, you just want to improve from that as well. So, um, like that's within the team environment, um, and then outside the game, you know, he's a good family man. Um, two sons. He's now got uh, two stepdaughters as well. He's newly, really, newly remarried with um, to Michaela, who, who's moved over here, and I think they're living in Cowbridge. Um, and so then, uh, you know, and I think that's all going well which is uh, which is awesome for them and yeah, I think he's really enjoying this new role and, and what it, you know the challenges that are coming with it as well I don't want to prize that name out of you but I do know that a certain Steve Hansen used to be his assistant coach in the police force <laughs> different name um, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, what Wayne's different name I mean uh, uh, him and a certain friend you were saying in the police force oh no 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 it wasn't it wasn't Steve Hansen. Um, there's another fella, but uh, yeah, I do know that, that they're pretty good mates, and um, and they, they did they coached the New Zealand Police Force Police. Um, well, I think at the start of their coaching, both of their starting, both of their police, uh, coaching careers. Sorry. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're probably 
I'm sure Wayne's probably talked to him a little bit about you know sounding because um, Steve coached over here for a couple of years, didn't he? And, and so I'm sure that probably he sounded a couple of ideas off him, and um, and he does sometimes use you know talk of his old police days and, and and you know try to find little things out from the boys. You know uses a few tricks that, uh, but uh, you certainly get to to know what he's trying to do um, once you've been around him a while. Steve Anson used to do the old uh, the bonnet on the uh, <laughs> hand on the car bonnet to see if it had been used. Uh, Wayne's never pulled that one out, has he? No, he hasn't. No, he hasn't. Uh, not yet. But I think um, I think Steve Hansen used that to uh, to affect on one of the players when he first got over here. So um, yeah, I won't go into that too. Do I went to that too, uh, too much? I think, I think it was David James. I think, he, yeah. I, think he's, I think he's told that story enough. Yeah. Um, but obviously, he, he coached with Steve Hansen, and then uh, he got the Auckland job the first time round because Graham Henry appointed him, and then left to coach Wales. So, so Wayne's always had a sort of this, this sort of perhaps lineage with Wales back in New Zealand and then he came over to Wales and, and has taken it to like a duck to water so he's really bought into West Wales isn't he yeah. how, how did you notice the difference between him in New Zealand and him in Wales uh, I think he was still the same same guy um, he just when he got here he really bought into the, I guess when he came we're talking mainly just West Wales here with the Scarlets and, and that region um, he really bought into that um, region uh, lived down west um, got stuck in uh, went out. Um, I guess he, he socialised a lot with the with the local fans, um, and, and, and did a really good job. Talked to the local fans. Did you know the things off the field that people really appreciate? Um, now, obviously, he's not the Scarlets coach. He's the worst coach. So then he's now you know I guess for him it's, it's just coming across to all of the Welsh fans now because um, and, and doing his best job as possible for uh, what is you know a very proud um, you know nation when it comes to rugby like um, you know got a lot of great history there um, and one that um, over the last you know a number of years has been relatively successful um, or pretty you know very successful and you know so I think um, you know it's just trying to uh, make sure that he just keeps building on that and you know he's got a great team around him and I'm sure they'll do that Obviously yesterday was Monday that was the first day in camp with Wayne what, what was that like what was it like new day in camp It was, it was quite interesting actually because you, you've been around him for like five years down down west and um, and so and there's a lot of the Scarlet's boys up here so you walk in and it's kind of like um, you know you see familiar faces again and, and it, it's pretty cool um, obviously there's a bit of a change uh, you know I think um, Gats and, and his coaching team have done a su- superb job for a huge number of years and you know but change happens and so it's, everyone goes through change at different times in life and, and um, I think you know, it, it's been a, an awesome few years under, under Gats and his team and I think now you know change and now it's under Wayne and his uh, coaching team and I think it's going to be you know it's exciting times for them as well and it's exciting times for the players and I think also for Welsh Rugby I think it's going to be um, yeah it'll be interesting but it's going to be uh, it's going to be very cool to be a part of or hopefully be a part of for a, a little while uh, of, of the son of Wayne uh, remarks started again <laughs> <laughs> nah, fresh oh the boys all get into me anyway but it's um, nah it's not too bad you know you just kind of ignore it um, yeah to be honest with you they used to call me uh, son of Gets as well and then Brad Moore down in, in the 
Scarlett's his brother of so you know but family's family you've got to help each other out so um, yeah so I'm, I'm used to those jokes now I bet, so bet Brad's delighted with that one yeah, yeah. <laughs> they all but people think that he looks younger than me anyway and he's 45 so well, 44 I don't but, uh, but uh, look and he's going well he's loving it as well but um, look <laughs> yeah the son of jokes you just um, that kind of ducks to water's back water to a duck's back sorry yeah probably got a fair bit of rivalry as well because a few others are fairly close people are, you never see Ken Owens too far away no. I imagine he's another contender for I, I think he's actually more son of now actually <laughs> and, and Cubby's pretty close and you know a few, a few, a few of the boys but um, yeah so I think yeah we could quite easily have a few people in that category now do you remember your first impressions of, of when you met Wayne obviously you start off as sevens coach do you remember what you first thought of him um, no going back don't, don't say father figure <laughs> We're going back close to eight or nine years now, maybe even ten years. So it's um, yeah, it's quite hard. Actually, I'm struggling to remember what happened last week. <laughs> um, look, I just think, look, yeah, he gave me an opportunity, and, and, and one guy that is not afraid to give people opportunity as well. And, and he liked what I did with the sevens. Just got stuck in, and, and then um, and then as soon as he became the Auckland coach, you know, he wanted you involved there as well. And and um, and I enjoyed playing and underneath him and um, yeah, I think uh, that, that, that view has never changed um, and I think uh, yeah, he puts a lot of trust in his players and, and I think you know, in terms of um, giving those players that trust he, he then gets a lot of respect back from that and a lot of trust back from that from the players as well that seems to be a sort of overriding thing is the respect he gets from players yeah I, yeah, I think so he, um, look Scarlet's obviously take last year out of you know last year was a bit of a bad year but it was a year that I guess there was a lot going on we had a huge amount of injuries as well which you know all teams go through that so you can't use that as an excuse but you know to, to get the Scarlet's to a Pro 14 um, or a Pro 12 victory the next year was the Pro 14 final as well as the European semi-final um, you know there's a lot to be said to that um, European semi-final Scarlet's hadn't been in one of those since you know the mid 2000s so I think it was almost 10 years since we'd last been in that so Ken was quite young at that point yeah he was I guess he's lost a bit of hair now so yeah I'm not one to really say much about that though um, but uh, so for that you know it, it, it's pretty impressive so and, and for such a, a small region as well um, you know to, to go up against you know the, the big English teams and Irish and, and French um, yeah I think it's is a, is a great achievement um, but uh, look yeah hopefully it all goes well so yeah I suppose final question is what are your hopes then for you know your working relationship from now on with Wayne having spent so much time in the throughout your career he's now your national team coach um, I think it's just like we're pretty comfortable going and asking him questions um, I was pretty comfortable going and asking him for time off at the Scarlet's as well actually <laughs> yeah and Steve Jones used to always say everybody's contracts are this size and my contracts this size because I used to always go on and ask oh, I've got a stag do here I've got a mate's birthday here I've got a wedding here and you know I want to go on holiday here but um, all jokes aside I think it's just 
it's a working relationship. It's one that um, you know he can come up to me and say that I'm not playing that well as well, and, and say we're going to give somebody a, an opportunity. And, and look, that happens. Um, and it just means that you have to go back to the drawing board and, and work on a few things. You have to, you know, improve or improve your form. Um, but it is a relationship that uh, you know, I guess we'll be pretty honest with each other, and hopefully, um, hopefully it all goes well. Pretty tough. Well, uh, cheers for being on the podcast, uh, son of. <laughs> Great stuff, yeah. mate. Awesome. Thank you very much. Cheers, much. Thank you. Tell us something about your dad that I suppose no one else will, will know about, no, none of us will know about. Yeah, good question. I think um, I think probably along the same lines, he's definitely a very hard case guy and and very easygoing, but but also at the same time um, quite serious. So um, I think definitely probably his people skills are something that people might sort of um, not necessarily think of in terms of coaching all the time, um, but he definitely is a, a people person and um, wise in his own way, I guess, as I say in that example, quite jovial, but also getting a getting a strong message across. And I'm not really sure what I can say that you know won't get me taken out of the will, but <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a very PC response. Yeah, line, wasn't it? <laughs> but yeah, I think people do see the you know the public facing version of dad which you know 99% of the time is is what he is at home as well but he you know is a very caring and compassionate person um he you know he goes out of his way to sort of help not only um Matt and I through life but you know the younger players that he sort of sees some raw talent in and and that you know may need a bit of help and guidance along the way there's definitely been a few players that you know we would consider family now that dad sort of mentored and, and brought along the way and you know really cared about so that's sort of something that people don't really hear of very often I think um but yeah he's he's done a lot of special things yeah and, and maybe something along those uh, along a different line is maybe something that you don't necessarily see so much because he is quite a, a calm sort of um person is that he is also um extremely competitive um, and I think everything that he does, even as a kid growing up, whether it was table tennis or, or backyard cricket or something like that, you know, even just doing something down the beach, he'd always go 110% at you so that uh, you learned to come up to speed pretty quick. You know, there was, uh, there was no mercy on the table tennis table up at Ruakata <laughs> Beach, that's for sure. So when, when did you start beating him? Or did you start beating him? Uh, Oh, for me, it was quite young. I'd say six or seven. <laughs> Maybe he may have a different uh, opinion on that one. But... Yeah, I'd say there's probably a few waterworks shed on my end uh, up until the age of maybe 18 or 19 or something like that. He's pretty good at um, at most things, actually. And fun fact, he can uh, he can do most things left or right-handed. There you go. There's another one. Really? Yeah, he's pretty good. He's pretty uh, you know, coordinated like that, I'd say. He likes to switch it up and embarrass you with the right hand at tennis sometimes uh, just to make you feel good about yourself. Yeah, I certainly didn't get that from him. <laughs> it's, you talked then a little bit about um, sort of his care inside and um, there's a story that I remember from last year. I think I ended up doing it. It was uh, it was just before Judgment Day or after Judgment Day and um, there was a young fan with... I can't remember what the illness was, but uh, a, a young kid with an illness, and he he invited this this kid to sit with the Scarlets coaches in in the coaching box, 
and it just it just struck me as just the mark of just just a really classy guy. Yeah, no, I remember Dad calling us and saying that he, I think he'd been approached by um, someone in the community who had told him about his story. I, I, I can't, I, yeah, I don't want to get his name wrong, but um, yeah, he called us and said, you know, he's going around to his house, and he he popped round and surprised him and had a cup of tea, invited him round to the game, and actually, yeah, he got to sit with him. It was pretty special. I've actually, I do. Um, follow his journey now online and um, dad certainly calls me and gets an update because he's definitely not a social media person himself but um, yeah it's it's definitely something that he's you know always more than welcome to do and help where he can and just make that little bit of a difference and just make someone a bit happier for the for the day yeah I think um, all of that comes quite natural from him as well and, and you know living in Fiji it was a similar thing where people aren't necessarily very well off um, you know they might only earn literally one or two three dollars an hour um, working away and when we're living over there um, I, I recall quite vividly you know we'd be driving along sometimes and young kids would run alongside the car or even um, people would stop us at work you know security guards and that on, on gates getting into buildings and things and you'd often slip his hand out the window for a cheeky handshake and, and end up with a uh, the person who'd end up with an ice cream that he'd just bought in their hand That's which right, would yeah. put, a, put a good grin on their face or or just giving kids um, kicking tees and, and things like that after training. There's one or two that would quite often follow him round and, and he'd definitely um, be supportive of them. How, how was uh, Fiji? Because obviously you see people like Ben Ryan now who, who have had success in Fiji. And Fiji, on a, obviously on a coaching aspect, is interesting because Fijian players have a tendency to, to maybe react in a different way that, you know, they don't... They, I think the word panic doesn't exist in their vocabulary. They just have fun. But also, I suppose, from a living aspect, you just touched upon there, it would also be another world, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think... um you know, Dad was Dad's the sort of coach that really can get in and, and and work with really any cultures. That definitely comes from I think his police days as well. You know, dealing with a range of different people. Um, you know, that was one of I think from memory one of his you know the key things for him was he was really able to get down to a level and understand the individual players. So you know. That you know they're, they're coming for a big overseas trip to play somewhere, but you know they're going home afterwards to their you know local village where they don't have power and things like that. So he really got down on a level to you know understand and and help with their family situations to better prepare them for the games. And um, you know it was certainly a good experience for Matt and I um, to be able to live over there for a couple of years. And um, we we're quite young at the time; it did certainly feel like a bit of a holiday for us. But you know I do remember actually Matt, you got taken on one of the. Um, trips and got to spend a few nights in the village and you know got to see some of the real side of Fiji as well yeah absolutely it's obviously a very humbling sort of experience getting to do things like that but I think um, Brad was mentioning earlier and you even touched on it yourself with what you're seeing over in Wales with him just immersing himself into the community and the likes it's very much what he does he, he doesn't do things in halves you know so he dives in head first and it was certainly the same with Fiji getting in and amongst it with the with the local people and community and and um, you know, touching base with people's villages and families, not just them professionally as as players. So, I think that all um, adds up to to be part of the success that he's had and and gaining some of those experiences with the likes of Fiji. Another part of his success, and this is something else that I probably witnessed firsthand. Obviously, Wayne's great when it comes to press conferences, but I think he's even better value is when you see him sort of holding court outside of those press conferences. I remember it was a Pro 14 launch in Glasgow last year. Um, 
and there was a there was an award to do on the Monday night ahead of a full day of press on uh, Tuesday, um, and there was just one table which there was just people sort of gathering around this whole table and you, you, who, who, who's speaking here and it was just just Wayne was just sat there sort of holding court telling stories and just the amount of people who wanted to sort of listen to what he was saying I, I, that really struck me plus I think he was the last one to leave as well I, I left fairly late and he was still going and he had a longer day ahead of him the next day yeah, that certainly doesn't surprise me at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think at the very beginning, actually, I'd have to say, I think Nearest Dad's media manager, she was on the you know, edge of her seat a few times, just seeing how direct and honest he would be. You know, no matter what the situation, he'd always give you, you know, your time of day and give you your sort of his strong opinion on something, even if it wasn't something that, you know, politically he should be saying. Um, I'm sure you've, you've seen that firsthand. But yeah, no, he, he's always, you know, he's always willing to put in the grind and despite what he's got on the next day, he'll he'll always, you know, have a laugh and, and um, really give people the time of day. But that, obviously that then transferred through to his players, I guess. And you, you look at the amount of Scarlet's players now who the bond there seems to be great. You know, Hadley Park's obviously from Auckland and then the Scarlet's is a great bond there. Um, Ken Owens, do you get worried that Ken Owens is almost like another brother to you two, like the third son for Wayne? <laughs> there's actually, yeah, there's a couple other brothers that we, you know, along the way with uh, the rugby boys. I think when Hadley, oh, I probably doesn't want me saying this, but when he first uh, joined the Scarlets, I think, um, you know, they referred to referred to him and, and Wayne as being father and son a few times. But yeah, Ken certainly um, being one of the senior players and very close to dad and dad certainly values, you know, everyone's opinion and, and takes it on board. So there, a, few, a few of them did get a bit of stick at the beginning or along the way being a bit closer to dad but yeah it's all part and parcel of dad's sort of coaching and, and how he sort of develops the players really how, how often do you speak um, to your dad then um you know it, it comes and goes sometimes it's three four times a week sometimes you know we don't hear from him for a week or so you know if he's busy with games and things like that um but yeah no it's good he's you know, about a year ago, he learned how to take selfies. So now he's all over the FaceTime. <laughs> loves an emoji. He loves an emoji as well. But no, yeah, we often get a, you know, he'll just call us on his way to work and just have a chat and on the way to the Vale now that he's moved up to Cardiff. Um, but yeah, no, we speak to him quite often. He's really interested in both of our careers and, and sort of keeps track on things, make sure that we're not, you know, getting into too much trouble. But yeah, no. Yeah, for sure. It's um, it's something that I guess we've also learnt growing up is sometimes um, when you are in that sort of you know night before a game, a couple of days before a game, you just got to leave them do their thing, you know, and then and then chat afterwards and hopefully celebrate afterwards. Um, but uh, yeah, we we sort of chat all the time. It's um, pretty good with with WhatsApp and the likes nowadays. You can stay in touch um, fairly easily. Would hate to think what it would have been like back in the day, being on the other side of the world. But he's not onto social media just yet. So you're you're still his eyes and ears, I guess, on social media. Yeah, he he, you know, he doesn't really really um, focus on that sort of thing. It's not really for him. Um, but yeah, so he yeah, that's that's really the only thing he really sees. You know, following the stories of like the boy that you said earlier. Um, he'll keep in touch with me and just check on how he's going. But otherwise, yeah, he doesn't really spend too much time worrying about social media. Yeah. And you said he's a. Uh... He keeps a keeps a check on you, I suppose, with his police contacts. Um, that's probably quite easy to do back in Takapuna, isn't it? 
Well, he likes to he likes to think he does. I'm, I'm not really sure how you know how accurate it is these days, but he seems to find out things that we're up to and whatnot. So you know, always being a bit cautious. Not that we're up to anything bad, but uh, yeah, he certainly does pull out the police card here and there. Like to say, you know, put on the bit of a police voice and you know have a little chat to us. But yeah, he certainly thinks he's got the connection still. Uh, and as speaking of police officers, there's a story that always does the rounds in the Wales Online office here from one of the older journalists. Um, I think that when Steve Hansen was Wales coach, um, he he dropped David James for going home, leaving the Vale before a game, the night before a game, going home from the hotel. Uh, and the, the the way he figured it out was because he, uh, he put his hand on David James' car bonnet and realised it was warm, which is a, an old police trick. Um, has your dad ever pulled out any police tricks to uh, to catch a player? Um, not so sure on uh, maybe probably, he probably has with players, but I think he um, definitely uh, keeps those things uh, you know quite tight um, with him and the player. I, I guess it comes back to the relationship that he has with them, and maybe with some of the boys he'd, he'd let stuff like that um, out in the open to teach them a lesson or, or two. But with others, he might sort of keep that between the two of them and, and work out um, what the course of action is there. I can attest to the fact that he would often do those types of things for us growing up. That's for sure. <laughs> he always had the old eagle eye out, and you, you couldn't slip anything by, and that's for sure. So, you learned uh, you learned to um, try and play the game as best you could. But he was always uh, at least three or four pages ahead of you in the textbook. That's for sure. I suppose it's always a double-edged sword, isn't it? Having a having a police officer as a dad. Yeah, that's right. You know, he was always willing to pick you up and help get you out of a tough spot if you're ever in one. But he also probably knew that you were getting into one before you did um, <laughs> in, in some cases. So, uh, yeah, definitely double-edged sword. But uh, I think it paid off uh, Paid off for everyone uh, in the benefits. Absolutely. And now hopefully Wales will uh, see the benefits. Um, you two looking forward to, to getting over to Wales once more, but with a, with a slightly different... Um, well, reason for doing so? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I try and get back as often as I can, but, um, you know, this is just completely different for us. I, I, you know, I say to people back here, the times that have gone to, you know, international Welsh matches, it's some of the best games that I've ever been to in my life. The fans, the singing, it's just the atmosphere is unbelievable. So I'm really excited for, um, you know, Matt has come over and been to some before, but his partner, Claudia, it's the first time coming over. So to show her, you know, the sort of experiences that um, you know we've had, but now with Dad in the role, is going to be completely different. It's just really, really exciting. Yeah, I guess we're sort of definitely excited, but also you know preparing yourself for um, for what Test match rugby brings and and having um, your dad in the spotlight and that type of thing. So there is kind of a always a little bit of feeling of unknown, but um, by the same token, it's sort of heavily outweighed by by the excitement and anticipation of, of getting up over there for a trip and catching up with everyone and, and seeing how he goes. We've been looking forward to this for, for a long, long time. And as I said earlier, it feels like this is, you know, the satisfaction of all the times paid off. So now we're just going over to watch the fruits of his labour sort of come to fruition, I guess. You touched there on the apprehension and that feeling of unknown. We, we, we mentioned how sort of... Wayne deals with the frustration and, and the losses. How, how, how does how does it affect you? Because obviously everyone's got an opinion. The media have their say. The fans have their say, and it's not always positive. How, how does that affect you? Yeah, look, that that is true, and that is certainly something that comes along with it. You know, you you do have to roll with the punches and take the 
the bad with the good. It's not always smooth sailing as much as you wish it was. But um, as I say, I think because we have been fortunate enough that um, we've grown up our whole lives um, with Dad and, and sort of the limelight and NZ and different roles and the likes and then Fiji, it's, it's always kind of prepared us. So we haven't really known, I guess, a life without that sort of thing. So he's always prepared us well. Even as uh, I remember being a young fella, sort of, you know, four or five or six in the back of the car whilst he's doing radio interviews and taking a bit of a pace thing. Um, and it's not nice to hear, but you just you come to expect it and you learn to deal with it in your own ways. So I guess for us, just remembering that those those you know negatives um, are maybe one or two times a season, three times a season versus the eight, nine, ten, twelve, so on. Good experiences, and, and just try and focus on that and and sort of laugh it off and and see them change pretty quickly when uh, when the results turn around. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'd have to agree. There's, as um, I was saying earlier, Dad's always taught us you got to take the good with the bad. So um, you know, we've just learned to, to come with it. And in my experience, the two years I spent over in Wales, I certainly got there was certainly some ups and downs, and certainly had a few occasions where there was some you know vocal uh, fans on social media or, or in person. And you know, it it you know at the start it, it is a bit you know hurtful but you sort of come to realize that you know they're just really passionate about this sport and, and that they care about it and that it's not really they don't really mean it too harmfully but yeah no it's it's something that we're sort of prepared for brilliant and now hopefully this is going to be where he does reap the rewards of this career isn't it yeah absolutely and um and i think that's exactly it you know he, he's he's set up well he's had a, a few years now over in in amongst wales dealing with a lot of the the guys from the scarlets that are obviously in in the squad as well so that's um set him up and given him a good base so hopefully he can just continue on from some of the good work he's been doing there and and start to see um, some of that shift in in the welsh um, rugby and environment and, and see how, how they go from here it's certainly an exciting time ahead, to say the least. Obviously, I think Wales are touring New Zealand next year. There's no no doubt in your mind to who you'll be supporting. Oh, well, that that's the topic of conversation in the house at the moment, actually. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm certainly, uh, certainly going to be wearing my uh, red colours and really excited about the two games that we've got coming down um, to New Zealand in July. I've uh, got a lot of people from Wales coming over, so really excited about that. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see what colours uh, Matt ends up wearing. <laughs> uh, you go the old double jersey trick, don't you? One <laughs> under the other and, and whip one off for whoever wins. But uh, oh, no, I think uh, I think Dad probably got off lightly if I didn't uh, injure my shoulder um, playing rugby a few years ago. I probably would have been in the number two jersey for the All Blacks myself <laughs> and, and, uh, and be looking to take him, uh, take him out. Oh, right. There we go. He, he can sleep easy now. Yeah, he can. He can, that's for sure. Brilliant. Well, there we go. Uh, cheers for being on the podcast, boys, and uh, giving up your time. And um, in, enjoy the trip out to Wales uh, in a few months' time for the Six Nations. Absolutely. Cheers. Thanks for having us, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Brilliant. Great. Great.